Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the DGen Cast. Uh, Jamie's here with me, and uh, we're here to talk about some legacy, sort of. Um, well, hey Rich. Yeah. Rich. Yeah. Rich. Yeah. Did you know that there was a miracle that happened? It happened in Durham. Uh, I might have heard something about that, yes. I believe a certain something that we mourned the loss of rose again. It did. It did. Like a phoenix from the ashes, fucking Tesserator was number one in the Swiss at the quarterly event that, believe it or not, Rich played Legacy at. I did play Legacy, and there's a tournament report coming up in this about that. Some amusing anecdotes, both about that weekend and my opponents. Just some details about the event. We'll talk about the Tesserator list that made top eight. Some of our friends, and a few other things that we found interesting. Yeah. Uh, without further ado, uh, let's talk about probably the biggest thing that happened this week, which is the Ban and Restricted announcement that occurred on Monday, March 9th. This is Wednesday, so we've had a couple days to digest. I really had to throw that in there, by the way, so that uh, Jamie has a time frame in which to uh, to edit this one, <laughs> so that you guys know just how long it took. So there's a whole bunch of words at the beginning of it that we don't care about, and some words at the end of it that we don't care about, but sandwiched roughly two-thirds of the way through is the words legacy underworld breach is banned and i don't play moto jamie doesn't play moto and as a result both of us we we talked about this deck in the preparations for the quarterly that we played and we're going to talk about it a little bit during that there was a lot of breach in the room there was like a lot a lot of breach in the room i was really surprised at how much was i was there. very impressed by it yes. i just thought it was the new flash in the pan combo deck until actually watching it play yeah exactly and seeing just how resilient it was and just what it was capable of yeah exactly the thing that i find interesting about the ban is what it, this is what the third or fourth fastest ban in legacy it's ever pretty up there yeah you know it was like less than 60 days so if you let that sink in that's less than two months before this card was banned out of the format do i agree with it I think, you know, it was probably the right choice. Are there things that they maybe could have done to try to keep it in the format longer? Like maybe, maybe. trying to hit something like uh, that green spell that everyone keeps talking about, uh, Veil of Summer. But I believe overall they made the right call with this one. I, I don't always agree with BNR policy, but I think that this one just based on what we saw at just our local quarterly, I think Wizards got it right. And I think it, a lot of it has to do with the power creep of the cards. They seem to want to have really high powered cards and standard that's great they don't want it to bust the older formats yeah is the they seem to be breaking the formats the older formats like legacy and it's happened more recently in more cases than has happened in years past you know there was a time where we didn't really have bans happening in legacy for what almost four years well and you had a proper amount of splash where something had to be done about the eldrazi deck back four years ago oh in, in, uh, modern. in modern yeah because it was taking over the format whereas the same deck perhaps an even better version of it was running around legacy uh, and it was perfectly fine it was really really good it was very fast it was very resilient but it was on par for the format yeah the power level of the deck matched the power level of the format i think that these cards that we're seeing that just kind of keep getting nailed left and right out of eternal formats and even now we're starting to see kind of what i like to call the trickle up 
bans where we're seeing things get banned in legacy i wouldn't be surprised if we see breach get hit in modern maybe i do have to clarify that statement comes from a point of ignorance on both of our parts we we don't play modern at all we don't pay attention to modern at all oh i'm just going based on what the uh gbt mafia says on twitter I I take everything they say with a grain of salt. As do I. But it's it's interesting, right? So I was actually surprised. I do think that out of the two cards that I'm going to talk about in a second, Underworld Breach was the right pick out of the two uh, to hit. But honestly, I'm kind of surprised they didn't hit Lion's Eye Dive. I think that that comes down to the reserve list thing. Like the same reason they're not going to ever, I don't think they'll ever hit Bazaar or Workshop. I think that that, that time has passed for them. Sure. And we're talking about vintage. There yeah, we're talking about vintage there. But I, I think that hitting that in Legacy, which is very much now a community run format, mm-hmm. you would you would lose a lot of players by hitting something mm. like LED because it's not just Storm. It's not just Breach. I mean, you're also hitting decks Bomberman and Dredge. Right. And in a format where people just play what they play, you can't be doing that. So... I am pleasantly surprised is is how I want to how I want to clarify that. I'm pleasantly surprised that they didn't hit Lionside Diamond because I do think that out of the two I think that they made the right choice. The ban of Underworld Breach solves the problem better. I, I agree. While being less disruptive to the you know, pardon the pun legacy of the format. That was fucking awful. Give your balls a tug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we're gonna be coming with them tonight, bud. Uh <laughs> You know, it's one of these things that we've watched happen several times now with some of these cards. And I know you and I have talked about this at length in other episodes, so I don't think we need to dive into it too hard right now. But uh, R&D has to walk a very fine line. Yes. And personally, and this is just my my personal opinion, I think the fact that we've run into things like this in older formats is a good thing because it means that they're pushing the envelope. And it's the only way that anything ever makes it into our formats. Things have to be crazy powerful in order to actually make an impact. Otherwise, they just fall by the wayside. And, you know, at the standard rotation, they end up in a bulk box. So I'm okay to a degree. Is it annoying? Sure. Is it disruptive? You bet your ass. But it makes a difference. And it's the only way that our formats change. So I'm not exactly concerned or upset by it, but we have seen it happen more often recently than we have in years past. So very true. I'm not upset by the ban. Like I don't play Storm. I don't play any sort of Storm deck in Legacy. But I know that there's some players that are going to be a little pissed like, oh, I'm out 40 bucks. But, you know, in the, the grand scheme of things for the health of the format, the card needed to go. It was absurdly powerful and the the verbiage that they used in the bnr announcement is that it would remain problematic in legacy going forward. yeah exactly so it was a recognition not just and that, that was one thing that i saw a lot of discussions on twitter bring up with uh this band was that it seemed preemptive like you said it was under 60 days which is very 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 fast for wizards to act on legacy but it was a recognition that not only are these numbers what they are out of the limited data that they are already seeing but a recognition that this is a powerful enough interaction to remain a problem for years to come yeah exactly and i you know i think they got this one right i mean we we've bitched about things before (laughs) but i think that the bnr recently has been pretty on top of it i i don't think there's been any bands Mm -hmm. that you or i over the last year have really thought have been out of place would i have liked to see something get Uh, unbanned non-bands sure non-bands astrolabe Oko. Yeah, I think, well, and not for power level, but for enjoyment's sake. And with it, with it being a community format now, I would hope that that would carry a little more weight. Yeah. 
it's neither here nor there. I would have liked to have seen something come off the list personally, like Mind mm-hmm. Twist or see something like Earthcraft come off the list. Well, and we, we've talked about that too, where it might not be the cards uh, that are on the reserve list. So Earthcraft, we may never see come off the ban list. And it has, at this point, nothing to do with power level uh, and everything to do with the fact that it's, it's not really bringing off. I could see them doing something like a uh, mind twist or frantic search. I, I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm blanking on other cards that are on the uh, legacy ban list that aren't reserve list that may be more in line with the current power level. I'd love to see something like frantic search get unbanned, yeah, and something like ponder or brainstorm get banned. Yeah, I would as well. I I think that something needs to change in the format. And as far as the blue decks, we've been over it speeding into dead horse at this point. Yeah, I was going to say our our band brainstorm count is one. Yeah, for, for the episode already, yeah. and we're only a few minutes into recording. Yeah. Fuck brainstorm. Anyway, so we played in a <laughs> legacy quarterly. Yes, we did. Uh, I think that my tournament didn't go very well. How was yours? <laughs> About the same. Uh, so it was at Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina. Big shout out to Atomic Empire for supporting Legacy and for listening to the community and putting these events together. We were amazed with the turnout. This was on a Sunday because they had tight scheduling uh, for the first part of the year. And how many did we end yep. up having, Rich? You you got a final head count. Uh, we ended up having 34 players, so it was six rounds cut to top eight, which is honestly higher than you or I were expecting, yeah. given it was set up on relatively short notice. It was, like you said, said on a Sunday, so that's kind of hard for people to travel even short distances to get to. And there wasn't a whole lot of, because it was on short notice, opportunity for setting up advertising or anything of that manner. So the fact that we got 34 players was actually quite nice, yeah. I think. It was it was a good showing from the local community, and we did have some people traveling from Fayetteville, Raleigh, you know, the area. Yeah. Coming in, you actually... I came up for the weekend just to hang out. Yeah, you and came up just happened up to be here. Saying, fuck it, I'll play for the day. Yeah. You ended up being in town just really to hang out. We were grilling out with uh, my buddy Kevin, who is not a magic player, but one of my buddies that's into cars. We were hitting up a local barcade, playing some pinball all day on Saturday, and kind of just... Yeah, it was fucking great. Uh, it, was, it was a good time. I did, I did not realize that I really liked pinball until I did that, and I need to find places to play pinball in Charlotte. Yeah, you got the itch that, now, that don't That was you? a lot of fun. <laughs> it, it's fun. It's it's relaxing. It's, it's almost meditative. It's kind of addictive, so... Yeah. It is kind of. You, you just get in a groove and you go. Magic that weekend ended up being just on the back burner. I wasn't even sure if I was going to play in the quarterly. You and I had bounced back and forth about saying, fuck it. We'll just grill out, hang out at the house. And mm-hmm. as early as Friday night, we were still of that mentality. And then Saturday we sat there and went, eh, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I happened to have a deck together and you showed up with cards, but had a bit of a mishap with I your did. deck. I brought So I brought my cards with the intent that I was going to put together an Eldrazi list and sleeve it up and be ready to play Eldrazi, which I think actually would have been really good in the field. There was zero Eldrazi in the room. There was there was post that from what I saw. I, yeah. Hand motion that you can <laughs> you can fill in from there, people. Yeah, you you there was a hand gesture. You can guess what it was. <laughs> But I, I would have played a list playing a total of four thorns somewhere in the list, uh, whether 2-2, two, 1-3, two, all four in the main, four in the side, whatever. I was pretty sure I wanted to play Thorn of Amethyst, and so that was what I was gearing up to play. And that actually informed the list that I ended up playing as well. So I brought all my cards, and I sat down to do all this, and I realized that 
So all of my cards are in the process of being switched over into perfect fit cards since I bought into power and well, really traded into power. But well, and the, just the overall price of eternal cards going up <laughs> over the last two years, it's it's a good investment. Right. I've I've been switching over mine as well, so I understand. I, I finally bit the bullet with the acquisition of some unlimited power. It was the moment that it was like, OK, I'm, I'm playing some pretty expensive cards. I should probably protect them. So I've been using regular Perfect Fits for years, but I'm in the process of switching my deck over to Perfect Fit cards. I and mean, anyone that's felt both know that there is a significant thickness difference between the two. And this was being held at Comp REL. Yes, it was competitive REL. I forgot a spare package of Perfect Fit Hards, and I didn't have enough to sleep my deck. And it just so happened that Jamie uh, had also just run out. So I couldn't sleep my deck, which was moment number 570-something <laughs> of me saying, fuck it, I just won't play. So what ended up happening is another one of our hacks, Gristlebrand, came over and brought me a copy of what I ended up playing. So I ended up playing Burn with no fetches. And my decision to want to play Thorns in Eldrazi ended up informing a deck building decision of mine, which was to nearly max out on Eidolon effects. Yeah, you were really going hard on that in the main deck. There are four Eidolons and three pillars in the sideboard. It was... You, you mean main deck? Was that, Were they in the sideboard or the main deck? The pillars were in the sideboard. Oh, uh, okay. But I, I, had a, I had a total of seven Eidolon effects, or really pillar yeah. effects if we want to be technical about it in the 75. I also promptly put four surgicals in the sideboard because... Crystalbrand is uh, Paragon of Crystalbrand. All hail, uh, our Lord and Savior. Fuck <laughs> Crystalbrand. <laughs> I hate that card. Had to do it for Jamie. So I forgot my perfect fits at home. Uh, I felt lazy and almost didn't play, but Chris handed me the deck. And since he did it, I, I made a couple of deck building adjustments, mostly with the sideboard. I think I didn't make any actual card changes to the main 75 other than swapping in my German Black Border Lightning Bolts and uh, my English Legends Chain Lightnings because we bougie like that. <laughs> <laughs> so my round one, I sat down and I played against a gentleman named Elliot, who I believe is a staple of those uh, those parts. He had a very unique uh, helicopter hat that he pulled out during the players meeting. And apparently that was something that people had seen before. So I believe he's a, if not local, certainly a regular of Durham Organized Magic. Yeah, I th he's been. I've seen him at a, a few of the the local events, especially like the quarterlies. I think he's been at the at all three of them that we've had. Round one. So I lose the die roll. He picks a seven. He goes forest nettle sentinel pass, and I go fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Because I kept a creature hand. <laughs> Ooh. So I play Goblin Guide. He doesn't block. Then plays Land, some other elf, Heritage Druid, and I just get fucking obliterated. Ranched. You got fucking ranched. Just, yeah, he, he just, you know, runs away with it. My game one note says get hoofed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, I got hoofed. Uh, game two, post sideboard, the pillar effects came in. And I've got three pillar effects kills elves on here. So yeah, uh, between pillars and Eidolons. <laughs> seems good. I managed to navigate the tight line. I spent most of the game with two effects in play, which in that matchup 
as long as you've cleaned up their creatures is an okay position to be in because it's really hard for them to win, but it really is a tightrope walk and that game ended up being relatively close. In game three, I just have so with six O's, many burn spells locked up game. So... Well done. The note that I have on here is that a lot of burn players fuck up the elves matchup in trying to race it. The problem is you're an aggro deck and they're a combo deck. So they are just innately faster than you. So you actually do have to take a control role in the matchup. And a lot of your burn spells when you want to face race in fact, do have to go at their creatures just to not necessarily stop them, but keep them in check. Yeah, you're slowing them down. They are a, tr a true creature combo deck. Correct. So you have to hit their Wirewood Symbiotes. You have to hit their Heritage Druids. You have to hit their Nettle Sentinels. You have to keep the degenerate cards off the board. Because if, if they want to play an Elvish Visionary and draw a card, yeah, sure, fuck it. You know, it's a two mana one one. Have fun. But they have a lot of things in that deck that get out of hand really, really fast. So you do have to take a combo or a control matchup. Um, so I took that one two games to one, improved to one zero, And this turned out to be the only round I would win on the day. So in round two, I got matched against a gentleman that we're going to talk about a little later uh, in this episode, one Michael Braverman, who was piloting everyone's favorite deck. And by everyone, I mean Dr. Bill, <laughs> Death and Taxes. I have notes for two games here. The note is the same for both games. Uh, and that note is Get Batterskulled. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember a very funny moment in game two where he played a Stoneforge Mystic, and of course I didn't really have anything to do with it, so of course I let him resolve the effect, and he went and got Umazawa's Jite, and oh. I just sat there and went, I am fucking dead. <laughs> and for, for anyone that doesn't know what that means, that means the Batter Skull's already in his hand. <laughs> because you 100% go for batter skull against Brian. I'm, I'm well, and I'm sure Bill or Phil Gallagher, or any any of the the DNT experts, and probably even Michael would sit there and go, "Well," <laughs> at the the 100% comment. But yeah, it's just it's so good in the matchup. I would say a vast majority of the time, batter skull is your first choice. Yeah. So Michael's just he's an extraordinary magic player, and death and taxes is his bread and butter in Legacy. He's a super tight technical player, very respectful very clear in his communication, just an absolute pleasure to play against. So while I got my ass absolutely handed to me, it was a, a great match, great player, certainly enjoyed that. Moving on to round three, I played against Tess, piloted by our uh, friend Dick Dick. Uh, good old Richard Johnson. <laughs> yep. Stalwart of the Durham eternal magic scene great vintage player great legacy player storm expert in all formats. yes well he's he's got a pretty broad range he he is a yes. blue player at heart he's got a broad range and he loves his storm deck oh yes he's got a beautiful storm deck is a blue player at heart he does have a very good range he's a super competent player but he he loves his storm deck and his test deck in particular is all foil beta duels yeah with, with beta duels because he flex like that so this one was in three games game one i got stormed interesting he was he was playing the uh i guess what's standard now is i d did a little bit of research on this wishclaw talisman and mox opals wait he was running opal mm -hmm. oh shit yeah that this shit was tight <laughs> And he kicked my ass game one. <laughs> game two, he goes off by kind of whiffs on Echo of Aeons and fizzles. And I'm able to burn him out and 
put down uh, a couple idle on effects. Uh, game three, I get stormed. He goes for empty instead of tendrils. Oh, that's rough. That's really rough against burn. It's very, very rough against burn. And I ended up making, I think, 16 goblins. And I, I just, I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, that's... GG. I'm not playing pyroclasms or anything in my sideboard. I don't have any way to go wide. So I, I just, I got fucked, and that's all it is. I, now, fortunately, the build I was playing lent itself very well to trying to insulate yourself against Storm, but at the end of the day, it's a face race, and uh, you're slower. So yeah. not much you can do there. If you draw your pillar effects, great, but in the end, it just, it wasn't enough. Richard's also a fantastic player, and I got to meet his adorable son, which was fantastic. So I was at well, one and two, and then round four, I played a gentleman named Matthew on Red Black Reanimator. Oh. And uh, <laughs> game one, he made a grizzled dad, uh, and he didn't draw cards because he's not an absolute chimp, so I lost. And then game two, turn one, he reveals a Chancellor of the Annex and then promptly reanimates it, uh, so I lost. <laughs> Wow. So how long was that round total? It might have lasted a total of 10 minutes. Because I remember you coming over to watch mine. Including shuffles and mulligans, and it was maybe 10 minutes. Yeah, I remember you coming over to watch my fourth round match, and I was really surprised at how soon you were over there, and I had assumed that you had won until you came up and gave me the thumbs down, and I knew that there was a problem. Yes, I got peed on. It was rough. Well, my tournament literally started and ended with me getting peed on the entire fucking time. Yeah. You know, some people are into that. Are you? No, water sports isn't my thing. Ah, well, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. So my deck choice was I was playing a Jund list. It was running Hex Drinker in the main. Mm -hmm. It's very, very cool looking. It's uh, For those that are curious, the show notes for our previous episode have it linked. You want to go look at So those. I have main deck collector oof, scavenging ooze, two pyromancers, two ramanaps, uh, Gurmag Angler, Liliana's, a lot of burn spells, a lot of land destruction in there. So I, I was metagaming for more of the blue mid range decks, the Snowco lists, the Delver decks. I, based on the last quarterly, we saw so much of that up here where you really did have like. 12 to 16 players playing some sort of blue mid-range deck and that was what i had planned on seeing and uh it was also why i wanted to play eldrazi was for that exact reason that's not exactly what i saw buddy <laughs> no me so either <laughs> my, my tournament was was rough so round one i play against a nice guy named kyle he had a, a beautiful mostly all foiled fbb deck game one i multi-five and he, play? he plays i just hold on i'll tell you what he what he was playing okay. so he leads with bayou mox diamond exploration so i, I was like okay Ooh. So, so i was like okay this looks familiar I'm, I'm definitely playing against some sort of depth strategy i don't know if he is on slow depths if he is on lands if he is you know what he's on because i've seen some lists and some guys locally trying exploration in it that kind of thing Thing. So I'm not going to lie. It sounds like turbo. So it sounds like turbo aside from exploration. Yeah. The exploration was the one thing that had quest. So I put land uh, depths question mark in my notes. The next note is died to 2020. That was turn three. Wee. Yeah. 
So next game, I don't know if I'm playing against Turbo or Lands because I hadn't seen any red mana sources or even a blue mana source to tell me, hey, this is the bug lands list that's going around. This is the black, red, green lands. All I had seen was Bayou, like basic forest, make a 2020. And that was the game. So game two, my show note says, wastelanded into fucking oblivion. And that was when I realized he wasn't on turbo depths. So uh -oh. I get my opponent down to eight life while I'm at 16. And I never find one of my main deck, <laughs> Ramanap excavators. I never find a wasteland effect. I never find find anything to get into this game by that point it was just basically burn spells and then he punishing fired me out of the game with no permanence he tabernacled me i lost my just all of my creatures yes it was rough he, he was a very very good player did very very well in the tournament and you know had a beautiful deck he has i talked with him afterwards about it um, he had just recently started playing the black splash for abrupt decay because he said it in i think he was from fayetteville that he Vietnam? yeah he was from fayetteville apparently there's legacy scene down there but he had been seen more like graveyard hate things like Leyline of the void graft diggers cage because of things like reanimator and the breach deck so he came with the black splash for abrupt case to kind of get rid of the, that kind of stuff and force the vigors so so yeah so round one doesn't start my way i understand that you know things happen I mislabeled the deck after game one. I would have boarded a little bit differently. I would have. I did not board in ley lines uh, for that matchup. Um, I did not board in four lands. I boarded for turbo depths essentially, and that ultimately I paid the price for that because I I boarded out cards that I should have kept in in order to just keep sure. keep you know keep the synergy in my deck. So round two, I end up playing against Jeremy. He's a local, and I'm playing against one of my favorite blue decks to play against. Again, I miss what I, I mislabel what I'm playing against game one until I die. So what I see out of him, I'm playing against him. I get him down to 11. I'm at 18 and just kind of on the like, all right, all I see is tropical or not tropical island. Sorry. Um, I see volcanic island, ponder, pass, volcanic island or uh, fetch land, brainstorm, pass. And I, I see just cantrip after cantrip. So I don't see anything that makes me think that he's not on like a blue red Delver deck. Like, oh, maybe he just didn't have a Delver. He's digging for an Arcanist or a Delver Pyromancer or something. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh man, he just must have had like an absolute shit hand, but he was cantrip heavy. He had a, a dual land and a fetch. So he's in this. And then comes turn five, Rich. And on turn four, sneak attack. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an 18 life from double fetch and he goes turn four Emmercool Gristlebrand and just fucking blows me out. So it was a it was a definitely one of those games where I didn't see a, an ancient tomb, City of Traders, no Lotus Petal. It was literally just dual land, dual land, island, island. So I it looks like blue red delver all day long and i've seen him play some delver decks he's a local so sure. next game i multi six and i have one of my favorite games of magic that i ever get to play where i fucking die to blood moon i get <laughs> blood mooned turn two and i died to blood moon um so yeah my life total just it was such a fisting yeah i so what <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a fucking miserable game of magic. So, you know, I shrug it off like, okay, cool. I, I lost to a 2020. I lose to Gristlechimp.deck or, or 
you and I like to call it uh, show and skill, sneak and chimp, chimp and tell. So chimp and ape. Uh, yeah, chimp and ape. Yep. Is 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 the uh, the final form skill, of skill that. and show? You know. So round three, I play against Steven. Steven's another local. I I love this guy. We always have good games. Steven was an elves player for a long time. Recently, has made the switch to either playing Storm or playing Dredge. I wasn't sure what he was going to be on. I've seen him on uh, Storm quite a bit lately. So game one, I fetch. He goes. Let's see. Uh, double LED bridge, Narc Amoeba, Coliseum. Zealot and kills me. Well, uh, so it's dredge. Yep. Cool. Uh, so game two, I have turn one thoughtsies and just hoping for something. He has triple faithless looting, grave troll, ashen rider. I'm in this game for a while and just need green mana. I, I literally just needed any green source, and I could have been in this game and stabilized enough to probably pull ahead. Never drew the green source. He played it as tight as possible. So I'm I'm not saying that it wasn't played very, very well. Um, I needed a green source to stabilize. For dredge. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, he, well, I mean, he was playing it very well. I mean, he, he was very good about his, his board state and announcing triggers and, you know, very tight play. That's good. So, yeah. So it's one of those things where. I appreciate a neat dredge player. Yeah. He was very neat yeah, about there, it. There are some certainly messy ones. Yeah. He was very neat about it. Very good player. So round four, I'm going in and I'm like, shit, all right, maybe I'm in the Delver bracket. Please tell me I'm in the Delver bracket. And nope. round four, I play against Adam, another local. And uh, I've seen Adam play Delver. And I've also seen him play Sneak and Show. So what deck do you think he was on, Richard? Storm. Yeah, not Storm. He was on Sneak and Show. No, because I've, I've, I've also played him. I've also seen him play Storm. Yeah. So I, <laughs> yeah, I mull to five and I look at, my sh my notes and i show adam down at eight life and then then i see 15 life written next to it so you can guess what happened after that rip yep and that was when i conceded <laughs> so he played gristle brand off a of show and tell i played i think a collector oof big oof. yeah <laughs> uh game two i get him to three life and he plays an omniscience and proceeds to push my shit in oops <laughs> Big oof. Yeah, and so then I dropped. <laughs> so that my my tournament report was I was literally 0-8 in games. I played against three combo decks and lands. And the lands deck, arguably, I thought that I was playing against a combo deck game one. So yeah. Jund is pretty much, like traditional Jund as we think about it, is pretty much unplayable right now from what I've seen in the format. It just yeah. it just can't hang. But it's cool. It's fun. You know, I'll still play it at an FNM every now and then. I mean, I, sure. I, I love playing some Jund. So it was a little bit of a rough day at the office. I know uh, afterwards... For both of us, you, yeah. you and I came back to the house and... I was pretty down on playing Magic at all, really. And then we got a message from some of our teammates. Yeah. And this is where things started to change for me and for our team as a whole. Because typically, we're a bunch of asshats that show up at events and get too drunk to actually do well. Well, yeah. So <laughs> Eric and Patsy both make top eight. So we've got the Kingslayer. We've got Patsy in top eight. They were GBTs and played Brainstorm decks. We had... but. We don't hold it against We don't them. hold them against them. Patsy and the King's Lane. Yeah. <laughs> and so Patsy was playing a bug control list. Eric was on Infect, which is 
one of his favorite decks to play, and I, I can't blame that him. Bug list was sweet. It was by pretty the way. sweet. <laughs> it was pretty sweet. So I will say though, the deck that was in first place when they sent us the rundown of standings going into top eight was local friend friend of ours, uh, Clay Westman. So Clay is a uh, he hails Tezzeret and only Tezzeret. Clay plays Tezzerator in Legacy, and he and I are constantly talking about the deck. And I had pretty much given up on it last year. I just had a bad string of tournaments. I thought about running it going into GP Atlanta. The format was just an absolute shit show at that point, so I didn't even play in the event. But Clay showed up, played Tezzerator, and this deck list is sweet. So I'm going to do a a quick rundown, if that's okay, Rich, of the deck list. By all means, have fun. (laughs) This deck list is, he's running a essentially bug Tezzerator list with a splash of red in there. He's running kind of your standard mana base in Tezzerator, minus the City of Traders. He's running Badlands, Bayou, Inventor's Fair, Trop, Underground, Volcanics. His creatures are four Baleful Strix, three Urza, Lord High Artificer. It still kind of hurts me a little bit that he's in the deck, but Clay, like a madman, still running Transmute Artifact, Chalices. He's running two Dax main deck, three Karn the Great Creator, two Oko Thief of Crowns, still running the Sword of the Meek Thopter Foundry combo, and Tezzeret the Seeker, Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas, and one of my favorite cards in the sideboard, Uba Mask. Uba Mask, Rich. I just let me have a minute. Right now, I've got my hand over my heart. God damn it. Mine's backwards. Hold on. There we go. My, now mine's over my heart. This is, this is America. <laughs> Clay, you did us proud as all those of us that hail Mishra. We'd like to thank you for your service of showing us the way and that we were wrong that in the year 2020, in the year of our Lord Mishra, that artifacts are not unplayable in Legacy, and that you can, in fact, transmute artifact into whatever the fuck you want to. So thank you, buddy, from all of us at DGenCast and all the hacks for showing us that Tezzerator is a great deck. I think I know just what we need. Hail the Mishra, where I'll fist a GBT. <laughs> so on a side note, two weeks after the, after this event, Eric and Clay and a couple of the other boys went to go play an event in Winston-Salem, and Clay made top four, and Eric ended up winning it. So Clay And Clay ran the exact same list back. So same 75. And yeah, it was just... What an absolute G. I think... I think Clay, I don't know you, but hats off. You've, you've met Clay. You would recognize him if you saw him, but... I, I'm sure. I, I don't know him by name, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just have to say, though, is that I want to apologize to... Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas, and Tezzeret the Seeker for shitting all over you on the last cast and debating on whether I was going to sell those cards. But the deck that ended up taking down this whole event was Michael fucking Braverman on Death and Taxes. <laughs> fucking death and taxes this guy i mean the first time we ha- what is it with him and dr bill in fucking winning tournaments with death yeah. and taxes i mean it's like you, <laughs> these guys that you know the death and taxes specialists you can just never count them out so michael congratulations he amazing player uh he won our first vintage event uh hacks house vintage event mm-hmm. he ended up in i think top four uh in the next one so very good player he also enjoys playing 
a multitude of formats, anything from standard to vintage the guy plays. So he's got a real broad range of formats. He got a great, um, what is it? Not a plaque. What's what's it called when it's paper? Uh, it's called a certificate, certificate. you fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. We, we can edit this. It's fine. You're probably going to leave it to make me look like a moron. Yeah, I am. But... <laughs> I know things. He's got a great certificate from the first one. (laughs) He does. (laughs) So congrats to Michael for taking that down. After that event, I was super down on Legacy. You know, didn't really feel like playing the format. I did end up playing F&M this past week. Uh, I bought some new cards and was... Yeah, you did. You fucking GBT. Well, you know... You ingrate. What are you doing... Splashing blue in lands, you monkey. I, but I needed to. I needed to to try to win, Rich. And I, I, you sold your soul. I did sell my. Actually, you no. Know, Crowley walked up to me at F and M and was like, I, "He sees my board I'm state." And, yeah, he gave me the. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed. And then he goes, "So Jamie played four color lands <laughs> with Oko Thief of Crowns in it." Yeah. And I just, I, I've got nothing. First, you you crack a Teferi three in the uh, the shit draft. Pack one, pick one. It still managed to lose. Yeah, yeah. And now you're buying Okos. I think we need to stage an intervention because <laughs> you're you're buying good cards. Uh, yeah, you know, and and that's just not you. <laughs> well, so the first time I played the deck, I did go three and one, and my only loss was to Crystal Brand and F and M. So we had hacks in the top three spots because it was Eric, Crystal Brand, me. (laughs) The biggest thing I will say about playing Oko, I really want them to ban the card. Like, I don't want to play this card in Legacy. Like, I won games that I shouldn't have won just because I had that card in my deck. And all of my opponents were like, you know, oh, I'm playing against lands because they've seen me play lands before. And then it's like, cool, Crop Rot for or Fetch for Tropical Island, play Oko, turn your shit into an elk. And they were like, what? Because I was still running the Punishing Fire package in the deck as well. I mean, it was a greedy, greedy list. I definitely would die to Blood Moon, um, as most of my decks do. Uh, yeah. But, I, you know, I... The card's good. It seems like it's going to be here for a little bit. Do I like it? No. Do I like playing Planeswalkers other than Tezzerets in Legacy? No. But the thing is, is, you know, there's only so many losses I can take at an FNM. I mean, I literally think I went four months in a row going 0-4, playing different Jund lists, and I've played so many combinations of them and just could not get a win. That I just needed a win, buddy. I just needed a W, buddy. Gotta get that W, boys. I needed that W. Ferta. So, Rich... <laughs> Um, you know, I think that there's something that we, we do need to talk a little bit about, you know, about kind of you moving forward with Magic the Gathering and the yeah. podcast for people that, that don't know kind of what's going on. And that's kind of some, some decisions that you've had to make that are very difficult, but that are, you know, I think the right decisions for you moving forward for the, the next little bit personally. So sorry if we're going to get a little personal on the cast here and a little gushy. It's really that 
you know, mournful. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I posted it on Twitter uh, a little while ago. It's been probably a week, maybe more. I don't know. I'm not going to go look it up. But I am kind of taking a step back from magic in general, specifically uh, competitive magic, but really it is kind of just magic in general with some things in my personal life that I'm not going to go into too much detail about. I'm just a private person. But between family and work and just everything that's going on with me personally, I think it's time for me to just step back for a little bit. For a while now, and you've probably noticed listening to our last several episodes, I've been kind of down on magic anyway. Um, I'm not really getting a whole lot of enjoyment out of it. And it was one thing I, I really noticed during the Legacy Tournament, that actually playing magic was the single worst part of that day getting to see my friends hanging out with my friends talking with my friends was fantastic but sitting down to actually play my matches was a little bit of a chore up to and including between rounds actually getting to play some vintage with uh one of your opponents adam who plays dps and he wasn't my he wasn't the adam that i played against oh you played different adam did i play an adam i didn't play an adam Oh, different said, Adam. Sorry. I thought you said... That's a different Adam. Yeah, okay. There we go. You did say Adam. I thought it was that Adam. No, no. A Adam... I thought it was Storm yeah. Adam. That's why I guessed Storm. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Well, I'm a chimp. Whatever. You fuck. It's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I got to play some vintage between rounds. And vintage and old school are hands down my favorite formats. And I really, really, really love vintage. You forget about Hyper. You love Hyper as well. I do, I do love Hyper. Shout out to, uh, to Team Tusk for putting that together. But I just, I didn't feel anything. Like, just literally nothing. And I'm one of those people that firmly believes that if you're going to be doing something for a hobby, you should enjoy it, and it shouldn't feel like something that you feel obligated to do. It should be something that you're doing for fun, to blow off steam, and to enjoy yourself. And I'm just not really there with playing Magic right now. And so I'm taking a step back from playing in events. I know in previous casts I'd talked about maybe doing SCG Con or, and or EW this year. Uh, I'm not going to be doing either. I'm not going to be traveling for events. I'm not going to be really involved in competitive magic. And I don't know how long that's going to span. You're taking uh, right a sabbatical is, is what it is. Is Yeah. You're not you're not selling your collection. You're not out. You're, no. You're no. taking a step back for a little bit to focus on the more important things in life, which are, which are family and your own well-being. And like you said, is yeah. a hobby should be something that brings you joy, not something that feels like a chore. Now, that's not to say that if you come to a Hacks event that you won't see rich rich may be entering no, um, a different capacity at hacks events right and uh the plan is when i do make them out to them i'll be acting in the tournament organizer capacity round timer inputting in results giving people their matches slapping them around when they don't give me their results like the chimps that they are you know the the normal stuff that is required of a tournament organizer. So I'll still be around. Uh, I'll still be social. The podcast, we're planning to continue recording. You know, it's it's magic's an addiction in a way. And uh, oh, yeah, just give me that cardboard. Crack, even when baby. you're not playing, it's 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 hard to put it down completely and step away. So I'll still be paying a little bit of attention to it. Uh, I have a lot of friends that are involved in magic, both as a competitive endeavor and just as a hobby, as well as you know, several other content creators that I keep up with just in passing. So I'll, I'll be around and I'll be reachable and I'll still be keeping up with things, but I won't be playing magic events probably for a year ish. 
Yeah. Maybe longer, might be shorter. I don't know. But uh, my my plan is probably about a year. I mean, I, I took like a decade sabbatical at one point. Yeah. You never leave it. You yeah. just take a break. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with that out of the way, we'll, I'll still be around. We're still going to be doing the podcast. I'll be keeping up with everything. That's probably the down point in the cast having to... Yeah, talk about real life. There's that whole saying, uh, life sucks and then you die, which I don't ascribe to. But, you know, you you sometimes have to take a step back and uh, talk about real shit for a minute. Uh, So that's our real shit. And now we'll get back to talking about some uh, fun things that we see going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? Have you read Thassa's Oracle? Um, Like the card? Yes. Yeah, like the... the, Do do you know what it does? The creature that it's better lab man? Yeah, yeah. So... Do you know what card is really good in a deck with that? There's like two cards that are amazing with it. Is it is it triple black? Yes. Pox. No. Not very good with this card. Underworld Dreams. No. Not very good with this card. Uh, Necro. It could be, but no. I, I'm just fucking yeah. Doomsday. <laughs> well, so Doomsday, Doomsday is the three drop. Do you know what the one drop is that is very good with this card? Um... No. Demonic consultation. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, buddy. So, demonic consultation. So DC for yes. oracles. <laughs> so, Thassa's oracle is making some waves. I asked you if it was triple black, and you said I said yes. One, I said there, I said there are two cards, and I and you asked if if one uh-huh. if it was okay. triple black. Yes, Doomsday was the correct answer. Demonic uh-huh. consultation is the secondary uh-huh. answer. So, this card is definitely making some waves. <laughs> In vintage. Wow. Wow. Thassa waves. Wow. Oh, shit. It's a merfolk. I didn't even know what the card type was. Anyway, so aside from us being a bunch of silverbacks and not actually reading the, <laughs> the creature type on the card. So this card has showed up in a couple of different things on MTGO. One of them in particular being a doomsday list. I am a huge fan of like just weird combo decks in uh, in vintage. I'm just a big fan of doomsday. Uh, yeah, I love doomsday. It's a great card, but I, I also love hermit druid combos. So this is a card that is definitely going into my druid combo deck. So we saw a vintage preliminary there was a result put up by discover with a capital n at the end discovering i guess is how you would say that sure is that good that yeah so why not play playing a, a <laughs> an awesome awesome doomsday oracle list that's running some of our favorite cards like demonic consultation demonic tutor doomsday it's running Necropotence in it, Yogwill, Vamp Tutor. I mean, it's like all of the like great restricted cards other than Time Twister because that card's not power. Tabernacle, Tabernacle, and Sideboard, sideboard. Because she's an actual yes. G. Soul Guide Lantern. I mean, fuck, man, this list is awesome. So I'm really excited to see Doomsday back in vintage. Now, traditionally, when we've seen Doomsday, it's been a tendrils-based kind of storm list or lab mate with like a lab man kill in there as well. I mean, this is kind of a lab man it, but kill. This, this does fair. not have any of the trappings of storm, other than that it has the card Fluster no. Storm in it. Correct. There is a storm spell. There in is it, technically, technically a storm spell, but it is not a storm deck. I love this deck, Rich. This is one that I am definitely looking at. (laughs) It's so cool. You know, this is one that I, it's on my list of things to sleeve up. And plays Doomsday. Yeah. Like, I've been looking for an excuse to play Doomsday for years. I'm just not smart enough to play, like, the Storm Doomsday list because I have. Oh, do you have a DC? What? Consultation? I have have five signed ones. Do you want one? Okay. No, I was was going to tell you that if you didn't have one, I had an Ice Age one that I I could bring. Yeah. I've, I've got one, Rich. We're good. Okay. 
You've, well, you've yeah. got five, yeah. apparently. Got a few. So, so anyway. <clears throat> <clears throat> Fuck modern. Uh, mic check. So, <clears throat> anyway. <clears throat> this list, I, I love the fact that it has Street Wraith as a way to, like, start your draw engine. Like, so That's genius. Cool. Like, this list is great. I definitely want to sleeve this up and play it at some point because it plays just so many of my favorite cards. It's a Dark Ritual-based deck that runs Dig Through Time, Doomsday. It's running Mystical Tutor. The existence of Snow-Covered yeah. Island in it, though, makes me want to kick a puppy. Uh, no, I mean, I'm you know I'm going to run, like, Alpha or Beta Islands. Like, I don't give a shit about Snow-Covered bullshit. Sure. No, that's that's yeah. perfectly fine. But that's some legacy bullshit. Yeah, it is. It is. Stop it. Stop that. Stop that. Nobody plays fucking Astrolabe yeah. in Vintage. Stop that. <laughs> I'm really hoping that this deck sticks around in Vintage. Kind of like we we saw a lot of Fastbond lists kind of early on when Fastbond got unrestricted. You know, Thassa's Oracle is kind of a new tool to the format. So this is one that I am hoping sticks around, and in particular the Doomsday list. But there's also another Thassa's Oracle list that is showing up in Vintage right now. It's it's more of an Esper-based build that has Mentor. It's got, you know, kind of, it seems like it's more of just, it has the Demonic Consult Thassa's Oracle combo in it. The rest of it kind of just reminds me of like an Esper Control kind of list. So it's like an Esper Control combo. It's a Mentor yeah. deck. Yeah, it's just like a mid-range deck with a combo kill in it. And again, you know, this this is one of those decks that I it showed up in one of the MTGO leagues. And it looks like it was from Michelino or Michelino. I'm not sure how that's pronounced. But again, running the tabernacle on the sideboard like a G. If I'm being honest, you know what I've taken to, to calling these these blue decks? Regardless of whether there's a combo, uh, killing them is blue-based EDH. Uh, oh, all the one-ups. Yeah, um, don't, don't worry. Yeah. Shops is getting there, too. <laughs> it's just EDH with a higher budget. <laughs> it's it's EDH for not poor people. It's EDH for people that shower regularly. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of showering regularly and washing your hands, Rich, did you see SCG has had to cancel events recently? I did. You wrote them in the show notes. I missed yeah. that news. So, well, it was just it was just announced like yesterday. So they have oh, okay. canceled SCG Baltimore and SCG New York based on the COVID nineteen coronavirus outbreak that is occurring. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, honestly, that's that's good on them. You know, good for mm-hmm. you know looking out for their player base. There were. People that were pissed off about this that, you know, hey, you know, we wanted to play in this event. It seems like it's a lot of the people that are on the tour grinding for points kind of thing. Right. And I understand that. But honestly, like Like this is a serious, a serious thing. It's not something to take lightly. It's something to take seriously, even though. Well, so here's here's kind of one of the things that I think a lot of people are missing with this is that while it might not be lethal to you, it can be lethal to someone else. In addition to SCG canceling, Channel Fireball made an announcement literally less than an hour and a half from when we started recording that uh, they've canceled Magic Fest Detroit, Sao Paulo, Louisville, and Palm Beach. So they canceled all of those events. Another event that has not officially been announced, but I think it's okay for us to announce the cancellation of, is at SCGCon, Jason Jaco has said that he is not going to run the uh, old school event that has become kind of one of the, the great events in the Southeast to, to attend on the Thursday of the SCGCon weekend. This is a segment that we're entering to kind of talk to people a little bit because you smelly fucks don't know how to behave when you go to tournaments. Um, Walker, I'm talking about you in particular, (laughs) is that you really do need to take some precautions traveling to an event. Do I think that you need to wear like a Nazi Germany gas mask when you're playing magic? No. Or as I saw somebody suggest on uh, on Twitter earlier when uh, you and I were talking, spraying your opponents with Lysol. 
Um, I, I don't think it's, it's a great idea to commit assault. No, no. Um, <laughs> but you know, obviously this is having an impact on tabletop magic the gathering. So Correct. there are events being canceled, things like that, you know, wash your hands, don't cough, don't, don't touch your, your face. face. You know, the tournament etiquette that we recommend is don't spread your fucking filth. Don't be a fuck boy. Stay at home and don't spread this goddamn disease. Well, sorry, virus amongst the player base. And wash your fucking hands. Wash your hands, shower regularly. Don't be disgusting. Yeah. Most of you smell like shit anytime I go to an event, so please fucking shower. So this brings up the question of, you know, will some of these larger events happen this year? Like SCG Con, will this affect things like the Players Tour or Pro Tour or the fucking My Little Pony Tour, whatever the fuck they're calling it now? Well, where are the people who get paid to play this game play? What is it called? I believe it's the Players Tour now. Players Tour. Okay. So, all right. So I I did mention that. All right. Mm -hmm. You know, it it brings up questions as to whether that's going to happen. Anyway, Rich, do you have any closing thoughts? Thoughts tonight on uh, what we've talked about. Yeah, wash your hands. Those are my closing thoughts. Yeah, wash your hands, <laughs> shower regularly, rinse, repeat. Yeah. All right, this is DJ Cast signing off. This is the Hack Father. Have a good one. Take it easy, guys. Oh, if you want to to find us, where can you find us? Oh, we, we so we have an email address. It's hacksmtg at gmail.com. There is hacksmtg.com that we have now. So in our previous episodes, you've heard us talk about callouts and grudge matches that we're doing. So if you have start doing this with friends of yours, please send us photos to our email address. We'd love to host them on our website along with the charities that you donated money to. We're hoping to try to get people more into doing this as far as have a $50 grudge match with some friends of yours. Donate to charity. Feel good about it. Do something charity and use your hobby for good. You know, this is an expensive hobby, whether you're a GBT or you're an established player like Rich and I that use our Black Lotuses as coasters to shit on all of you poor people. Please (laughs) use your hobby to help raise money for other people. Get fucked. I can't. (laughs) No. Well, then what else should I say right there? The rest of it's fine. It's just (laughs) putting, putting, using a blackluster as a coaster to shit on poor people. Okay, let me try it again. Let me. You can't. can't, You can't say. Let me try it again. Okay. So whether you're a GBT or. Someone like Rich and I that play Eternal Formats, we're established in the format. We have slightly larger collections. Use your hobby for good. Don't be a selfish asshole. You know, play a game with 50 bucks on the line. You'd be amazed at how much sharper it makes you play when there's $50 of your Mm -hmm. money on the line. Because I can guarantee you, I can buy a shitload of double cheeseburgers for 50 bucks. Yeah, no kidding. I like double cheeseburgers. So anyway, this is Two Fat Fucks signing off. Have a good evening. Take it easy, guys. Oh, ah!